0: Riechen an die Zahn, riechen Welcome one and all to Vision On Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. This week I really wanted to talk about some TV cheese, by which I mean the sort of television that can become anybody's guilty pleasure, even if they might never want to fess up to watching it or the sort of television that's so bad it's actually quite good, or at the very least enjoyable. Old curmudgeons like myself of course might like to bang on about how that's pretty much everything that comes on our screens now, especially in the name of light entertainment, but I don't think that's quite what I meant either. There are some shows which have reputations that precede them, shows the mere mention of which can cause people to roll their eyes in mock or genuine horror and wonder why on earth anyone would want to watch them, and yet when you do watch them still prove to be satisfying half or full hours of viewing when you take the time to. Unsurprisingly, several American series from the 1970s and 80s do tend to fall into this category. Shows like The Waltons, Charlie's Angels, T.J. Hooker, The Dukes of Hazzard and Happy Days can be mercilessly mocked and shunned by the classic TV viewing community alongside such bonkers British TV series like Bone Kickers, Bugs or Cat's Eyes and SF shows like Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, the original Battlestar Galactica and its sequel Galactica 1980 and plain afternoon romantic nonsense like The Love Boat. So in order to put us on the launchpad for covering some of the lesser loved classic TV shows from time to time on Vision on Sound, Warren Cummings joined me for a while hour just musing over some of the very worst contenders for qualifying as genuine TV cheese. So let's fire up the Fab Radio International Time engines, which this week may resemble a brevel sandwich toaster, and see just what's been stuck onto our televisual foil-wrapped half-grapefruit of cocktail sticks alongside the pineapple chunks. Hello there, Warren. How the heck are you?
1: By Jiminy and <laughs> Roger DeCoursy and Nookie Bear. <laughs> By
0: Jiminy and cricket.
1: And cricket, indeed. Cricket. Well, yeah, we're not going to talk about cricket today.
0: I know I like to spring oh.
1: these occasional subjects
0: on you that we've not really planned for, but uh, I wanted to tell you something. Recently, I've been I've been shopping and I've kind of been looking for cheap DVDs. Now, I was I was surprised uh, yesterday. I went into a charity shop, and found that they had the entire set of The Wire, you know, all five seasons of The Wire, for less than four quid. And I'm thinking... I'm on
1: my way up. Where'd you live? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the thing is that what got me about that was, does it mean that all those wonderfully rare DVDs I have on my shelves are now basically <laughs> coasters? That's one thing. But what I really wanted to talk yeah. about was... Well, I was going to say bad television. I thought we might talk about bad television. We talk a lot about good television on this show, I like to think. But I was going to talk about bad television, but I didn't really mean bad television. What I think I meant was television that's sort of terrible, but quite enjoyable, if you see what I mean. So, so so, so bad, it's good.
1: Do think with Patrick Murray? <laughs> yes,
0: possibly. But I was going to say maybe, <laughs> so maybe I think maybe <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about here is the sort of cheesy television that somehow is a guilty Ooh. pleasure. And what it is, is I've been to the charity shops, obviously, and I've bought some stuff that's in the bargain bins that you probably wouldn't normally think, oh, that's good.
1: (laughs) I'm very concerned about what you pulled out of the bargain bin. Well, I I know we, I mean, in
0: (laughs) in previous weeks, we've talked about actual bad television like curry and chips, and I don't really want to, I don't mean that sort of thing. I mean, maybe a show that was really enjoyable, like, I'm trying to think of a good example, like, say, The Love Boat. You know, that was really enjoyable for a lot of people, but it's actually incredibly cheesy and incredibly bad. And one of the ones that I've picked up, for example, is Bone Kickers.
1: Oh, now you see, I haven't seen Bone Kickers.
0: Did you watch it on first transmission
1: at all? No, no, I didn't. Because it no, has I'm a reputation. It, <laughs> Does it now? It has a
0: reputation for not being the Could. greatest bit of telly I'd ever made. It's uh, Julie Graham ad <laughs> Who Bonneville thing so i mean the you know, the really? cast is quite strong it was made about the same time as either survivors finished or was still being thought of so julie graham was kind of a, a big ah uh, right yeah big deal was it julie graham the actress yes yes yeah and it was only it only did one season It's a bit like strange It only did one year and then vanished forever <laughs> <laughs> the point is that it kind of became the benchmark in the last 10 15 years for something that's a bit rubbish <laughs> but people sort of every so often they go oh god give it a go and the interesting thing about that is that it's kind of built on there was that whole da vinci code thing going on so it's got a go lot of yet. that sort of you know the templars and all that there's all that sort of stuff going on in the background of the stories they're trying to tell but it was just such a bad show and i just really wondered <laughs> if if you had any shows like that that were in in your sort of in your sort of
1: area of interest, shall we say? You mean in the cupboard, locked well, away, possibly a yeah, break glass in case of insanity. Well, I call moment. them guilty pleasures, but you know, I
0: mean, I, I mean, I know I briefly touched on when we were last talking. I'd, I'd mentioned that I'd watched a couple of episodes of The Waltons, and I know the Waltons. People who hate The Waltons absolutely hate The Waltons, but it's actually it's really quite good television.
1: <laughs> um, it's just I, I. You know, I'm looking at a guilty pleasure now. Oh, go on. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. It's like, forgive me, Father, for no, all That's what we're here
0: it. for, my son. <laughs> my,
1: I, have, I have watched several episodes of Jason King. Jason King. Oh, you see that? I'm so no, sorry. That, that is. That, that, forgiven for that is, I mean, the interesting <laughs> thing to me about
0: Jason King is I love Department S. I think Department S is a great. Piece of ITC. Carnes
1: is absolutely yeah. wonderful, and, but Jason and King they resurrected Jason King
0: about two or three years later, didn't they? And because he was yeah. such a huge TV star, such a popular character. Uh, well, it, it but is they had no Lou money. Lou Grade's
1: wife actually fancied, well, not fancy, right. but liked yeah. the character yeah. that Wingard was playing, yeah. and thought Wingard was wonderful, yeah. and they thought, oh, that'll be a good idea, so Lou Grade. When, okay, let's approach Wingard, let's bring his character back. Let's give him half and a budget, because they only, they only could was, shoot it on
0: 16 mil rather than 35mm. That
1: that's stuff. right, yeah. So it looks a bit yeah, mucky and, and murky in many ways. Oh, it looks awful, doesn't it? It looks as though it's one of those 1960s yeah. recordings. It's terrible, because that was the thing about sumptuous ITC, mm. using... 35 mm. mil, Um it's it's beautiful mm. with the quality and then you go to six and you're just like, oh lord look at the quality I of mean, to be fair, that's yeah, the same they...
0: stock as they used to film things like the Sweeney on, but the Sweeney always tried to be gritty and urban, didn't it? Jason King yeah. was trying to be yeah. glamorous and wonderful <laughs> glamorous, amazing, glamorous. and amazing and handlebar moustachioed
1: <laughs> Oh, and this is the thing, this, this is Campus just nine-pence. this is the 70s <laughs> out of control this is, this is this is just unbelievable. It's gaudy. The hair is just where the hell did people get this hair from? And Teasy Weezy. <laughs> oh and the thing that I like is because it's the nineteen seventies, those who are follically challenged bring back the comb over right. the comb over comes back hmm. and it's oh dear, no. Oh thats is terrible, terrible. Fashion popars.
0: Yes. Were you ever a fan of
1: the comic strip?
0: Did you ever see the bullshitters?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, and that's spot on, isn't it? He's just I'd swanning around it. in his rolls, drinking. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll solve so this. C- cigarette in one hand, yeah.
0: a glass of champagne in the other, standing there. Get right me the, the
1: bullshitters, and yeah, I'll solve this crime. Bonehead and foil. <laughs> <laughs> running around in their underpants, jumping in puddles. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And Jason King, suave, sophisticated, getting pie-eyed in Crushed the back of velvet. his roller. Beautiful young lady. Mm. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, yes. So what
0: drew you to watching Jason King? You...
1: I like Department oh, he... S, and mm. I, I'm aware of how flamboyant Wingard can be. Mm. I'm also interested in the background for these programmes because there is a lot that goes with the lead character, the actor, Wingard, and his ability to rub people up the wrong way, shall we say.
0: I think in later years, even he admitted it would have helped if the other Department S people had come back as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think this very much is a case of, yeah, he was carrying a show on his shoulders, Mm -hmm. uh, but he... Worked as part of a trio
0: as this sort of interesting go-to third character that they could bring in, but actually, on his own, it didn't quite work in the same way, did it?
1: No, I think it also pigeonholed him as well, Mm. uh, which caused a lot of problems. Mm. Uh, He had a touch of the old Tom Bakers, didn't he?
0: He was very popular in Australia, apparently.
1: (laughs) Really? Now that really surprises me. Australian housewives. Wrote, wrote, wrote ah, yeah, the, was, was it going to be sexiest man tu- in the universe, or something. Going to be tufty sheep, sheep shearers, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go. No, I can't do it. That's not Australian. That's, Let, that's, let's let's move going on going in from, the sheep sheep shearing barn. We'll move on from the racial
0: slurs. Posters of
1: Jason King hanging on the wall. Mm. Or are they all going around with handlebar mustaches? I, I, what, what the Australian women? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably in the 1970s. Now, now, now. now. Truth. <laughs> no, I just, I
0: just wondered, you know, because obviously it, it's weird as, as a sort of symbol, or, especially when you know about his his real life yes. sort of antics. antics. Yes. It's kind of odd that this became a sort of, <laughs> an an icon of masculinity. Well, in well, I, think, I no,
1: I think because of the this is going to sound very strange. Mm. I think because of his, because of his background. I think. Mm. That assists him in pulling it off. Forgive fact, the term I, of phrase. You know, and I think, <laughs> I think, no, actually, in, in weird
0: terms, in, in the modern era, because that idea now, you know, that you can actually be a bit peacocky and a bit blokey is actually more current in some yeah. ways, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know I don't know whether Jason King's comeback is... Um, you know, a, a kind of re- a reboot of Jason King is possible in the, in the sort of 2020s. You know, it,
1: I think the world is so bonkers mm. that I think... We're ready for a comeback from Jason. Prime, Prime Video or Netflix mm. could bring back a one-off series because mm. I mean these—I uh, mean people like Netflix at the moment are going for—they're just flooding the market with just mm. one-off series mm. to see how they do. So mm. the the format of ITC mm. is back in a different kind of way, really, by yes. these, these firms like Prime and throw uh, it
0: all Amazon. at the wall and see what sticks, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, very few ITC series actually lasted more than a season, didn't they? I mean, they were all sort of, try this out, doesn't sell, do something else, you know. And yet sometimes there were kind of variations on the same thing. I mean, really, Department S and the Champions are more or less, you know, the the three leads.
1: They'll see you, Beryl. (laughs) (laughs) William Gorn, oh Mm. my word. Um, I've only ever seen one episode of the Champions because I couldn't stomach much more of it. And Mm. it was the first episode and... Mm. It's dull. It's very, mm. very dull and ITC formulaic. Mm. Uh, so, now I don't I, I don't actually... Yeah, but better. it has a
0: lot of... I mean, you know, people really love The Champion. I mean, I remember, as a kid, it coming on and we liked it. The interesting thing about it is that I bought the box set a couple of years ago, mm. and I, I think I've not got past disc one yet. <laughs> I decided I'd watch a few one evening, and it was a very slow evening. You're absolutely right. Of them, it hasn't aged the best, and yet, interestingly yeah. enough... That slight twist on it that became department SI you know don't make them as special, but make them special in ordinary ways, but still have the same three leads set up in a crime fighting way. Department S works incredibly well in a way that the champions can struggle. I think
1: Now it's quite interesting that you mentioned the Bullshitters, mm. because my second choice mm. is it's the professionals isn't it's It was <laughs> always going to be the professionals. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. I use the Professionals box set as a doorstop. Right. Um, <laughs>
0: <that's>, <laughs> oh, you you bought all you bought all five seasons. I mean, <laughs> many
1: years ago, I bought all five, five seasons in right. the box set, and right. I use it as a doorstop. <laughs> mm.
0: I've and, been interested by the Professional. Professionals has been sort of popping up in the afternoons in last since uh, oh, Christmas, oh, and dear. about three o'clock in the afternoon. And what surprises me about it is how watchable it is. It, it, it yeah. comes on and you think, oh, bloody hell, it's... And then you find yourself drawn into the story. And I know that's a Brian Clemens trick and he was very, very, very good at good it. He's very good at that, yeah. Mm.
1: It's, it's a case of switching on the TV and you can be mm. halfway through an episode mm. and you'll sit and watch it because it's it's not brain-stretching television, mm. but also it's you can delve in at any point and just sit mm. and watch it.
0: But I think there's a lot of television like that. I think there's a lot of television that you actually think, oh, God, this is awful. But then you sit down and you you know, you know, get drawn. I mean, it's not for nothing that when I mentioned right at the top of the show, The Love Boat. Mm. The Love Boat used to be on on Sunday afternoons, I think, when I was you know, a young teenager. And you'd sort of think, oh, God, it's a love boat. And then you'd get drawn in because it had the... You know, the regular characters that sort of bracketed the stories, you kind of got invested in them. But also the guest stars were so good and they but, all had these little sort of portmanteau storylines going on yeah. that actually you would get drawn into that. In the same way I would get drawn into something that, that used to be on in the evenings as well, Little House on the Prairie. You know, Gosh, they were all yes. sickly sweet and horrible, but the drama, the storytelling, is is absolutely second to none.
1: I suppose you could look at a modern thing. Could you look at Murder She Wrote as something like that? Because can you edge yourself into Murder She Wrote to any point?
0: I like Murder She Wrote.
1: I, I mean, um, uh, yeah, it, it was on. Not it not it was on Murder, one of those. Wrote, but it, it, it's it's like it never ends.
0: It was on a kind of loop on one of the channels a couple of years ago where they would go all the way through all 12 seasons and go back to the beginning, apart from uh, the so it, And there was like 275 <laughs> days, so they could run it for eight oh, months of the year Lord. and then start again and run it for eight months of the year. The reason I saw the pilot for that was because it happened to turn up on one of these channels as they went to the beginning again.
1: Mm.
0: And I think it's interesting that it is kind of what you would call conveyor belt television. You know, they're knocking out 20, 22 mystery stories a year. I mean, when you consider even series that we have that are popular over here, like Death in Paradise, which they only they do eight a year, Yeah. you know, and they can come up with eight stories. The fact is that something like Murder, She Wrote, whilst it was formulaic, could hit those beats for 22 episodes a year, for 12 years. I think that's actually an incredible achievement. Oh,
1: absolutely. No no wonder poor old Jessica Fletcher was knackered and didn't appear for a couple of seasons. <laughs> but, the, but, yeah, it's, it's just how easy that programme is to slide into and go, mm. you know, I'll have that one. Background. Well if you um,
0: if you ask a question at the top of the show you know who did it or why did they do it hmm. you know you do get invested in the way that story unfolds even if it's just to say at the end oh i knew it was them all along you know the 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 murder mystery yeah, is uh, no agatha uh, christie it.
1: it's no agatha no. christie although it's no. a complete rip off of agatha no. christie
0: but uh, it's an engaging yeah, you know, no. program it's, and it's, you will get drawn into it whether not. or not people you know, what you're watching this for, people might ask you and you might actually be able to switch it off halfway and go, right, I'm, I'm off out now and not actually <laughs> care that you are yes. not seeing the end of it. But there's a lot of television like that. You see, I was actually going to move on to say things like Dallas and Dynasty.
1: <laughs> Dallas and Dynasty
0: were huge shows yeah. and quality shows that, you know, they had budgets. That you know, And yet somehow... They are guilty pleasure shows. If you see Ooh, what I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, did you fall for things like the Colby? Not the Colby's. Uh, well, I, Hawkins, I did. Um, but they had and
0: these they, ongoing storylines, and that's the interesting thing about those. So they were effectively big budget soap operas. Yeah. So you know they would finish on a cliffhanger to make sure you came back next week, which is different to, obviously, uh, Murder She Wrote, which was. Well, it's a different type of show anyway, but but it had a self, self-contained story. I mean,
1: Americans are very good at churning out soap operas of that ilk. I mm. mean, but then again, we only have to think of the most famous thing of, of people from our generation, if I just say to you, who shot J.R.? Mm, absolutely. M- and we all know it
0: was Maggie Simpson.
1: Yeah, that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Maggie Simpson,
0: a- when she finally cracked after all those Bing Crosby records. <laughs>
1: I, I, I guess that it was his secretary. But, yeah, it was it was just a big thing, wasn't it? It was a massive thing. And I remember the news report with the can of film mm. being escorted off of a plane mm. by about four bobbies. Mm. And this person pushing this trolley with a can of film, which was the film can, with um, the result of who shot JR. Yeah. And it was and, so successful that they did it again a few years later. Yeah! And cars were going around with bumper stickers on, I remember that, mm. and that mm. was a thing that wasn't really big over here, having bumper stickers on your Didn't
0: one on? of the characters in Father Ted have a t-shirt with <laughs> <You> <laughs> I Shot <surprised> Joe?
1: me. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, no, It's the interesting thing to me, though, it's funny actually, because specifically Dallas, I mean, yeah. I would never was a avid follower of Dallas, but you couldn't go through that era and not be aware of it, even if you only caught the last ten minutes of the show before the news, or you know, while it was on in somebody else's house or something. You know, you'd see bits of it, and obviously the the actors would turn up on things like Wogan and stuff. So you know, yeah. you wouldn't, you were aware of it. And what gets me, I mean, w- Wogan made it a huge show anyway. What gets me is what I remember specifically is the second time Jr. got shot. I remember actually having a bit of a row with somebody because. You know, the way you watch television, if you watch television the way we watch television, you kind of are aware of what has actually happened. Yeah. Whereas the person I was talking to, cause, and I said, well, you only actually saw the chair get shot. And they said, no, I saw him on the floor covered in blood. And there is no scene whatsoever where you see Jr. on the floor covered in blood in that sequence. And yet this person was utterly Utterly convinced. I mean, we did have videos in those days, so I couldn't go and prove myself right. <laughs> but there's just it's just interesting that that's, people take the image yeah. in their head away from... And sometimes, I suspect, when people are complaining about television or whatever, it's sometimes it's not what they saw, it's what they think they saw.
1: Well, this is the thing with Blake Seven's last episode with myself. For mm. years, mm. for some bizarre reason, for years, I thought... At the end, where the guards pointed their guns at mm. uh, Avon, mm. he just says, You, mm. as if to imply Servolam was there.
0: As opposed to, You bastard. Yeah. <laughs> you, you shot me full.
1: <laughs> and uh, for some bizarre reason, I went yeah. through years of thinking that happened. Mm. And then when I saw it, it is the memory cheats and memory fills in mm. the gaps. I mean, that, mm. that, that happened a lot, though. With, with That's when they say, well, we rewatch Who Now and go, oh, I don't remember mm. being it's tacky. That mm. scene particularly. Tacky. No, because our mm. imagination has a tendency yeah. to fill in the blanks. But yeah, t- uh, TV filmmakers are, are, are brilliant at creating that illusion that we can mm. fill in the blanks because our mind will fill in the blanks.
0: I think children's minds are much more adaptable, if you like, and much more tolerant in some ways. You know, we all get a bit cynical, and a bit old, and sit back and you say, "Oh, this is rubbish." But actually, at the time, you were just magicked along by the stories and and the monsters and the and all the, you know, the characters and everything like that. I think it's interesting. I mean, because obviously, we are talking about cheesy television to a lesser or greater extent. I know we've talked about it on previous weeks, so we won't dwell on it. But do you think Blake Seven
1: counts? No, because overall it's not cheesy. Mm. It dates, and that's when people mm. like to sort of give television series a kicking. It's...
0: Visions of the future always date, though, don't they? But I mean, yeah, you all, all I'm saying the is there are moments that look could kind of cheap.
1: <laughs> you, you mean know? the monsters?
0: Well, I mean, maybe I mean the sets, but all the effects sometimes. They, they nowadays, they it all just looks a bit. But it was played absolutely straight to the hilt most mm. of the time, wasn't it? Yes. You know, I, I think the interesting criticism of Darrow when he did his Doctor Who was that he didn't take it seriously, whereas he took Blake 7 um, very seriously, even though it was, you know, Campers Nightmares. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, actually, though, because science fiction generally, science fiction generally is one of those areas that can fall very easily into the cheese the cheese mill, if the you like. You know, the cheese mill. The spoke. The oh. curds of science fiction uh, yes. can actually become quite quite cheesy simply because, again, it's that thing of dating. I mean, if you look at yeah. I mean, another show that I've recently acquired very cheaply <laughs> from a bargain bin is Book Rogers in the 25th oh, Century. Oh, boogie boogie. And and that, that, whilst at the time, was huge budget, really popular, yeah. you know, certainly in its first season, I know the second season went a bit, all over the place. But the first season of Buck Rogers was was seen as TV gold at the time. And and again, if you're a viewer of Tom Baker's last season of Doctor Who, it was seen as they finally found a rival that was taking the ratings and taking the viewers away because book Rogers was the thing all the kids were watching I mean a lot of the kids were watching because Wilma Deering happened to wear very tight suits that 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 teenage boys found particularly appealing and Princess (laughs) Ardala would walk around in a spangly bikini quite a lot so it was there was a lot of there was a lot of reason for hormonal teenage boys to watch book Rogers but also Book Rogers is tacky as hell, but sort of slightly brilliant. Again, it's kind of like the disco era set 500 years in the future.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's the modern day Flash Gordon, isn't it? It's the serial mm. of, of that ilk. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, the discotheque of the future. Wow. Mm. <laughs>
0: Vegas in space, I believe. Oh, is, is, is
1: it's so much better than... It's so much better than the Star Wars bar. I mean, mm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sci-fi by the merest thing it's going to date and that's that's always a shame but it's Mm. it can be as you say vastly entertaining Mm. you wouldn't have been probably 10 years old when buck rogers did you watch? yes i did watch buck rogers i was 11 Mm. and um, Mm. yes i did notice there was an awful lot of spandex
0: yeah but this was early evening itv i mean on saturdays and it was in the same kind of slot that things like the a-team would have turned up in as well you know Again, those kind of adventure series, uh, Knight Rider. Actually, now when you look back at them, you know, they all look a bit strange and 70s and cheesy and bizarre, and yet they were absolutely thrilling television for us. Yeah, I mean, The Incredible Hulk that's another one, isn't it?
1: You know, yeah, or The Six Million Dollar Man, all it was was you know, film it in slow motion. Mm. Uh, and put a sound effect over the mm. top, uh, and he can lift cars up, he can run mm. at great speed, he mm. can see things at great distances. Mm. But this was the thing about American television, was mm. far more glamorous, because it came mm. from somewhere that was exciting, and it lived mm. under the veil of Hollywood, mm. and there mm. were all these famous actors who are now doing TV programs, and we're like, wow, we can watch them, This is this mm. is amazing. You don't have to go to a cinema to see them. Mm. We have wonderful vistas and, mm. you know, they have deserts and huge national parks. Yeah,
0: there's an interesting thing about uh, when you watch MASH, you know, the hills in the background. The yeah. same hills that you see in the background of The Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> yeah, they're very California hills and yeah. yet. We all became very aware of, of sort of little bits of L.A. or around the surroundings of L.A. That we, it was like they became old friends because they turned up in absolutely every show, didn't
1: they? Yeah, I've got two crime-based okay. ones. I'm going to throw this one in. Mm. Brace yourself. This no, could, no, no, This one could be dangerous. T.J. Hooker. T.J. <laughs> Hooker. Now, <laughs> the wig that runs. The syrup of the run.
0: I used to make an absolute point of watching T.J. Yeah. T.J. Hooker was remarkable. It's another one of those shows, weirdly, that my memory of it and this happens a lot with American shows, is between season one and season two, they kind of tweak the format slightly. Yeah. And I remember really liking the original version and then watching it change. And suddenly there were these new characters or wasn't quite sure about, but then I ended up still watching it anyway. I mean, Adrian Zmed, I think, was one of the actors. Yeah, in,
1: yeah he in, um, uh, he dropped out I, for a season but came mm, back back. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it's a bizarre it is really cheesy. It's really mm. buddy buddy. Well, oh, it's it...
0: also I I think it's like Dixon of dot green on acid really. It's kind, <laughs> it's kind of like cuz he was so moral and upstanding and right and and everybody else was right. I mean, he was the moral core was Shatner as T.J. Hooker. He was incorruptible in any way shape or form. You know, he would be appalled at the merest, you know, someone dropped a piece of litter on the street, he'd probably shoot them. <laughs>
1: I always like the opening titles, because you have all these Mm. cars flipping over. It's a bit like the A-Team. And then you have Heather Lockyer with her Mm. nightstick, Throwing mm. it at that criminal and it knocks him mm. on the back of the legs and he falls over.
0: And there was presumably some, some excuse for her to be in a bikini every
1: other Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, the opening titles had her in a bikini. It wasn't Shatner I watched it for, it was Heather.
0: Mm. Um. Right. No, no, that's, that's perfectly understandable. I mean, uh, in I the same that way... that I was
1: at that age.
0: But if you're talking about cheesy television, Charlie's Angels would have fit, fitted the same kind of brief. Uh, yeah, or, 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 or even just, um, Dukes of Hazard, you know.
1: Or The Fall Guy, if you really mm. want to the full guy, or BJ and the Bear. How about BJ that? BJ and the Bear, yes. Ugh, yeah. yeah they, they, they were, I mean, this was it. There was a
0: whole welter. It's like they were trying to find something. I mean, what gets <laughs> me is there's a show like Chips as well. You know, California Highway Patrol. Oh, yes. Again, really successful. That lasted about five
1: years. Talking of Highway, do you remember a programme called Emergency? 9- Don't remember one. No. Right? It was 70s, and it, it right. followed the fire service. Mm complete drama thing Mm. from America. Mm. And they all seemed to go around in sort of shiny big vehicles. And each week, it was a bit like Trump. And each week there was a a disaster (laughs) and the fire brigade were always called out. That was not a...
0: London's Burning, then?
1: No, definitely oh. not London's Burning. I...
0: It's interesting, isn't it? The emergency services, they kind of go round. We'll do a casualty one, we'll do a fire brigade one, we'll do a police one, we'll oh. cycle round again. All the time, over the years, about every 10 years, you get one big show that's based with each of the, the emergency services. Unless, of course, they're just doing documentaries about lifeboats because it's cheaper that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> with your waterproof GoPro.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, TJ Hooker is a bizarre fish. It mm. is a very bizarre fish. It's
0: Of it, the police series, it feels almost like the one that least resembles any police department yes. in the history of the world ever. <laughs>
1: yes. He's supposed to be training cadets or something, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Sergeant <laughs> Hooker. Uh, <laughs> even his name yes. is just bizarre. And mm-hmm. everybody knows him. So yeah, he's the George Dixon of mm-hmm. downtown L.A.
0: We had a, a thing we, when we used to watch CSI Miami, which is a kind of it's sort of cheese from this century. If you but, but um, CSI Miami, whilst it was incredibly enjoyable show, the first spin-off of the original CSI series, with David Caruso in the lead. The thing that got me was every third or fourth episode, there'd be some young child who he would promise to keep in touch with and look after and make sure he checked in on him every so often and all this kind of thing. And you think it's much the same as TJ Hooker did. He, he's like adopting all these waifs and strays. But you kind of think, when would he have time to do any police work? He's got 15 kids to see after <laughs> work. <laughs> oh, no. He gives them half an hour each. He's already halfway into tomorrow. When does the man sleep? <laughs> There's also a wonderful thing, funnily enough, I mean, you are talking to me on the day after we watched Galaxy Quest. And, oh,
1: wonderful uh, film.
0: Galaxy Quest beautifully spoofs the Shatner era Star Trek yeah. without being actually quite unpleasant about it. But there's that wonderful scene where... Uh, never Tivalli, give
1: up, never give in. <laughs> yes,
0: but he's about to face the rock monster and he, and he keeps rolling and he keeps, why do you keep doing that? And he goes, I don't know,
1: it just seemed the right thing to do. <laughs> And I just think, yeah, because it's that gone moment, isn't there's it? There's that wonderful thing in the titles of TJ Hooker, I think, where he sort oh, of rolls yeah. into shot, but his hair is still immaculate. Yeah, his hair is always immaculate. <laughs> I always wondered that they must have had a special adhesive when he was doing the running scenes.
0: Uh, he, uh, I think he just had words with Brian uh, Don Levy. <laughs> so how do we avoid
1: that ever happening again, Brian? <laughs> the rug monster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you never see him brush or comb his hair. No. It's just, yeah, explosion. Still got but the hair perfect. But also,
0: the uniforms are always immaculate. Yeah. I mean, you know, that it, is not, not what
1: happens in real life. But setting all the nonsense aside, you were
0: there week on week on week. You were watching Oh, G-J-F. God, yeah. Yeah. Because... I, I think it was of its type. It's great television in the same way the Dukes of Hazzard is of its type. You know, I mean, uh, see, the, I every single I love week.
1: With the, the Dukes of Hazzard. Right. Is that because they changed the leads for a year? They, they, yeah, I mean, when Enos went, mm. I, I really... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know.
0: So was there, was there a dropout there? What did you say?
1: Enos! <laughs> oh, right.
0: I thought we'd lost a P for a second.
1: <laughs> but it just got... It, it became repetitive and mm. ridiculous and stupid, mm. and I think the novelty ran off after about a couple of seasons. There's um, a
0: wonderful yeah. thing when you watch things like Twilight Zone and the actor who played Roscoe P.
1: Coltrane
0: turns up in in a couple of the old Twilight Zone episodes. In fact, yeah. so does um not Sherry. Oh, Boss Hogg. Boss, Boss Hogg, Hog, yes. yes. So so was Boss Hogg. When he was a younger actor, he would he still looked very much the same. He was always that <laughs> shape. But, you know, he was always playing they were both always playing villains and and sort of sinister people back in the day and then suddenly they turn up it's this Double act in the Duke's of House. Oh. I actually think they could have done a spin-off with just them two, You know, I think they would have. It would have worked perfectly well.
1: Them and the dog. <laughs> oh, Flash! Mm. Flash was the best thing in mm. it.
0: Really? Well, you, was. No, you were watching it for Daisy Duke, weren't you? I, if, if you were watching T.J. Hooker for Heather Lockley, you were watching <laughs> how short the Duke's can of- Daisy
1: Duke's short this week.
0: <laughs> well, if they get any shorter, they'd be a belt, I think. is... <laughs> I mean, I know now a whole generation of people objectifying people. I know it's a terrible, (laughs) terrible thing. But actually, I suspect, we've got to be honest, in the same way, Charlie's Angels, when it was created, there were articles in relatively serious newspapers that talked about what they called the jiggle factor in American television. And this would be what would get the audience in. And Mm. let's face it, we know what they meant by the jiggle factor.
1: But yeah, I mean Charlie's Angels. Um, we, did you yeah, watch Charlie's little bit Angels? Of a guilty pleasure. Mm. I always wanted to be Bosley because I'd be surrounded by the angels. Mm. Because I thought Charlie never actually got to meet any of them, did he? Mm. But yeah, well, was, he was Angel- actually
0: off. He was off in Dynasty, wasn't he?
1: He's dynasty. Yes. <laughs> he was off shouting at Joan Collins. <laughs> Let's face it, most people are shouting at you. Well, when he, I think when he
0: took on the, the part in, in uh, Dynasty, I suspect it was just because I want to be in the room with the women yeah. this
1: time. <laughs> I, as a joke, I'd have said to the production, "T right, when I'm due to come through the doors, can somebody mm. wheel in a speaker on a trolley, and I'll just speak my lines."
0: <laughs> I, I saw a film recently, uh, and Bosley was in it. It was kind of weird, as you know, behind a desk getting shouty at somebody. Yeah. And I can't remember what the film was at all now. You no, know, he's in Capricorn One. He's in Capricorn One. That's right. Yes, yes,
1: he is. Oh, you've been watching Capricorn One as well?
0: Uh, yeah, I uh, dug it up a few days ago. It was just
1: yeah. What
0: yeah. it f- again, ITC, you know, ITC when it was making, trying to make the movie market wonderfully yeah. it still managed to look incredibly cheesy
1: <laughs> yes it does look incredibly cheesy and cheap like we filmed it all on the back lot the desert mm. in the back lot
0: yeah. but quite an enjoyable film yeah. nonetheless yeah. You know? anyway sorry that was that I was an aside on but yes one, yeah. no Bos- bosley was in that one but yes but charlie's angels i think was almost the epitome of watchable but very cheesy television, really.
1: You know? Well, things like
0: Happy Days were the same set as mm. well, weren't they? Well, Happy Days ran for an incredible amount of time. It was a 10-season thing. It just it just went on and on. I mean, basically, all the teenagers in it were sort of... You know, <laughs> <laughs> they all had mortgages and pipes and slippers.
1: You know? <laughs> and I believe you have Henry Winkler's original jacket. That still <laughs> <fix> you. <laughs> hey. It's funny enough,
0: again, really... Incredibly enjoyable piece of Americana, if you like. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, there's an interesting thing to me is that I remember on a afternoon about well, it must have been the early '80s, seeing the last episodes of Happy Days. For some reason, mm-hmm. they got shown the two-parter. I think it was Joni's wedding or something. I can't remember exactly. Oh, she
1: married Chachi, doesn't she? Yeah, and I
0: think that's the very last episode where they actually Ron Howard they wheel him in, bald as a coot. <laughs> And you're thinking, well, it's only ten years, crikey, you know. But they they wheel they wheel and they and they get them back for that last show. And I remember being quite. It's it's a funny thing about last episodes of shows that if they plan for them, they can be quite moving because they do it right. And if they just get cancelled, you know, you're left up in the air with it. You know, it, it it's an it's an odd thing. But I found that last episode of Happy Days weirdly weirdly moving. When of course, when you think about it, well, it must have been about 1968 by now. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or I mean, and you know, Henry Winkler by that stage really, really, I mean, you wheel must him been, on. <laughs> yeah, must, yeah, he was knocking on a bit for the the coolest guy in town. You know,
1: <laughs> I mean, you found that very much with uh, programs like Scrubs. I don't know if you ever watched mm. Scrubs. I quite liked Scrubs, but when it mm. got to sort of the last season, it was quite mm. quite a letdown, and you were mm. seeing that it was quite tired. Mm. And when it did get to the the last episode, it was more mm. of a relief that they were taking out and shooting it in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> it it fell at Beecher's Brook.
0: Right, yes, OK. Scrubs wasn't one that had crossed my paths, really. But, but I am always intrigued by shows that are cancelled as opposed to shows that choose to end. You know, there are some incredibly good last shows. It's also interesting to me, because of all you know the shows we've mentioned in passing today, because quite often, they get resurrected. I mean, Starsky and Hutch, for example. Yeah. I know we haven't mentioned Starsky and Hutch, but Starsky and Hutch was, again, a very cheesy show in many ways. Certainly, not necessarily at the beginning, but by the end. Yeah, but, but, uh, I mean, when...
1: Cagney and Lacey was the female version, wasn't it? Mm. It's, um... But when
0: they resurrected it a few years ago, they had to do it as a comedy, because they didn't think it would be taken seriously as a serious thing. And yet, yeah. you think, you know, when Starsky and That opening film of Starsky and Hutch is actually quite... It's quite hard hitting. It is very
1: way. hard hitting. It's it's yeah. along the vein of uh, Dirty Harry, I think, to begin mm. with. But then it softens a lot because mm. I suppose they've got to find their audience niche, mm. haven't they?
0: Well, there was Darcy much specifically after two seasons, was at the very centre of the violence on television debate. Yeah. and they had they had to do a Graham Williams to it. They had to take out the the you know, horror and put in the or the violence and put in more comedy so you started to get them suddenly becoming dressing up as film stars and things when they go undercover and suddenly it goes in a slightly weird direction which of course also happened with the man from uncle in the 60s man from uncle starts off as this quite gritty relatively speaking in television terms spy drama that goes very bonkers and weird by the sort of third year and when he's dancing with gorillas and things it's it it No, it's it's just a really weird thing that sometimes happens in these shows. I remember the the pilot of Starsky and I think one of the villains in it, one of the assassins that you see, is uh, Sergeant Esther House from Hill Street Blues. You know, oh.
1: who
0: played a lot of villains. I think he also turns up as a villain a couple of times in uh, the Rockford Files. You know, it's it's that kind of he was that kind of actor. You know, these character actors who always got to play villains in very loud jackets.
1: You know? see. <laughs> um. Guilty Pleasure is Rockford Files, but I don't put that as a um, cheesy series. No, no. Well, no, I think Rockford Files... That still holds up really well. Yeah, yeah.
0: But you see, I think in some ways, some shows managed to avoid the trap and others just didn't. And I think, again, it shows how much a show is struggling. Yeah. If it's struggling, they have to try and find something else to make it popular again. Whereas if it's... Going along and doing what it does and it you know, has an affable star and good storylines and, you know, it's in its groove, it just gets to carry on the way it was. You know, it's fashions change, cars change, but generally the show remains much the same.
1: I've got a, another British crime drama. OK. It's an 80s one. Right. If you don't mind me throwing it in there.
0: No, no, not at all.
1: How about Rockcliffe's Babies?
0: Uh, I never got the Rockcliffe
1: thing. No, like, it, it, this, this it is a, passed the,
0: me by. All of all yeah. of the various permutations. The folly.
1: <laughs> yeah, folly you know. didn't do well because mm. folly. They foolishly thought when they came to filming folly, folly mm. was filmed down here. Rockcliffe's follies was filmed down here. Mm. The fact that oh yes, um, Ian Hogg's character is really popular. Mm. It, it, and it was the babies we all it liked. It was the babes. <laughs> it was the babes in Rockcliffe's babies. Mm. It wasn't Rockcliffe who was the draw. Mm. It mm. was the babes, it was mm. his cadets, well, his, mm. his, his learning detectives. Mm. They were the main draw, and so mm. Rockless Follies didn't go to a second. And it is tediously boring, mm. <laughs> a tediously boring series.
0: Is it that Ian Hogg wasn't a particularly watchable actor, or, or is it just the writing?
1: I, th- I don't think his character was particularly strong enough to take the mm. audience with him. Mm. Because, because they've done it with Barlow, had not
0: they? They've done Barlow they've done and Barlow and Barlow and this and Barlow and cheese and Barlow and <laughs> lard and Barlow.
1: Barlow, and Barlow, chips. Yeah, Barlow um,
0: goes to Monte Carlo.
1: They've done all the Barlow. <laughs> Barlow goes to the pie shop. Um, yeah. And that think, central
0: performance was, you know, yeah, enough there, to carry there was, several shows. But that shows.
1: was part of a groundbreaking series. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, Rockcliffe's Babies comes before the Bill. Mm. Because it's in that transitional period of the BBC mm. not having a cop show. Dixon had mm. finished. Mm. We're into the early eighties now, we're about 81, 82. Mm. and they haven't got a regular cop show other than Juliet Bravo.
0: Oh, I was going to say, was it on at the same time as Juliet Bravo? Yeah, Juliet. Juliet Bravo?
1: Yeah, Juliet. Well, Juliet Bravo, I think it's eighty up to eighty-four, wasn't mm. it? I think? Brava. Um mm. but yeah Rockcliffe's babies, yeah, London centric. Mm. So they go, Oh well we'll we'll set it in um, you know detectives etc etc in this sort of oh we can get a lot of we can get a lot of hilarity out of mm. this, we can get a lot of drama. Some of it is really eighties cheesy, and this is the mm. thing, it's early eighties dialogue is mm. incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable sometimes. Mm. Not because of the cultural connotations of mm. some of the comments made. But mm. it's just, I never related to a lot of dialogue. Flouncing
0: around in, in wine bars.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah um,
0: Yuppie culture, if you like.
1: Yeah, um, um, just the delivery. The delivery mm. was still, the writers were still using the delivery of the 70s mm. when delivery had moved forward slightly. And, mm. and I think it's on the cusp of changing because mm. rockless babies was there wasn't wasn't really action-packed mm. until season two mm. and i think that was the tipping point where we moved from this heavy dialogue of the 70s mm. and we would now gone into right we need more action and mm. and that's what happened a lot with the professionals mm. um, if you look at the early seasons they are mm. there are there's plenty of action however the dialogues heavier yeah if you go mm. to the last two seasons it's boom mm. boom 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 constant yeah. it's off quite quite draining to watch sometimes because it's yeah. just constant and you have to watch it and it's in your face well
0: they've decided this is all action as opposed to i mean in some ways you would compare that again when you want to get cheesy with like Densie and make piece don't you oh you know that just well no i mean it yes. if, if we're talking about cheesy television it kind of it kind of suits that it was that was trying to be a, an ITV or a Thames version of or LWT whichever LWT one was.
1: Yeah.
0: Or, yeah LWT version of the professionals you know done by ITV themselves and MCMX piece is an interestingly wild idea Again, no police department you ever recognise, ever. And yet, and, and, and Ray Smith there in, in the midst of it, all looking gruff and, you know, and uh, shaven-headed sometimes. And um, it's just a really weird show. But when you think about Juliet Bravo, we mentioned Juliet Bravo, I mean, a lot of people think that that's quite cheesy because it was all a bit, oh, lots of people standing around in BBC studios trying to be policemen. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that when you compare that with the The Gentle Touch, that was you know, also trying to put a woman at the centre of the story, which then spun off into Cat's Eye.
1: Oh, no. You no. Know. Oh, yeah, that, that was definitely now, not that... a guilty pleasure. <laughs> That's painful. Yeah, but is that the ro-
0: thing, where they take a central yeah. character in a serious TV drama and then well, put them in the, in the middle no, of something No, chaotic? no, no, no.
1: That was the no. worst thing they could have possibly done, was take uh, Maggie Forbes and stick mm. her in something like Cat's Eyes. because, kind of because of an action series, yeah. Yeah, because at least gentle touch was grounded in some kind of reality Mm. uh, whereas cat's eyes just wasn't i mean Mm. you couldn't everything that went before Mm. her backstory everything was lost she was just Mm. she was an ex-police officer Mm. and that was it that was it Mm. um Mm. but called maggie thorpe's just Mm. i you should have made a different show that just was a jill gascoigne vehicle that yeah, yeah maybe it, mm. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I, I was never comfortable, even though it's, mm. it was made um, mm. down in Kent most of the time mm. by TVS. And I was mm. never comfortable mm. with... What about
0: Bugs? Catch- Do you remember
1: Bugs? Oh, Bugs, The yeah, the forerunner before mm. we had... Uh, what's that other, the, the other spy series that used to be? Oh, Spooks. Spooks, yes. That was the mm. forerunner to Spooks, really, wasn't mm. it? Because it had the chap and Neighbours in it, didn't yeah. it? was
0: it? Yeah. was it um, click, clack, mr click clack clack whichever one it was click, yeah clap, clock. clockling clackling clockling yeah that was <laughs> yeah. um helicopters and explosions and yeah. that kind of thing
1: yeah it was it was back to sort of brian clements wasn't it really mm style there
0: there is a wonderful again it's interesting i think that when it comes to television cheese specifically the action series is very good at it even going back to things like the a-team they just had to have these character moments that now are the sort of the interesting thing that people remember (laughs) but they're actually possibly the worst thing about it
1: well the thing with the a-team is you know at some point that a vehicle is going to turn over yes and then they learned how to do that so everybody getting out of the vehicle and no one's going to get hurt. I mean, the eighteen, mm. No wonder they were caught and locked up and put in a penitentiary mm. during um, for, the, a for a, they a crime they didn't crime. commit. They no can't one. shoot anything, can they? <laughs> <laughs> they can't shoot. But it's a interesting because when you think
0: about the amount of times that the general Lee flew over your head in in the, the tube, <laughs> and you know damn well that that front axle and the front, oh, of that, if you did that in your car, your car yeah. would not be driving
1: away and yet there every <laughs> single. Oh, I'm now have visions talking about Starskid Hutch, all the Cortinas mm. or the Capris mm. that had mm. that white stripe down them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we
0: were well that again just shows really how much the American culture got into our own psyche over here. I mean now you know back then really a McDonald's would have been a, the exception now it seems to have become the rule, you know. Yeah. We seem to have absorbed American culture, not necessarily the best of it, but we've absorbed the American culture. The kids want to be American, I think. This is the thing that because that, that, they see well it was big on and television rash and everything
1: yeah. was colorful.
0: It's it's interesting that leisure wear, for example Kids, that we didn't generally wear leisure wear on the streets in this country. No. You know, as gym wear, as I might refer to gym it. Gym wear. But now, because because we see a lot of American television and that's what American culture tells us what we should wear, I think we've absorbed it almost to the, the stupidest degree. It's like, you know, do you remember, <laughs> you won't remember this, but NYPD Blue, mm-hmm. big American series, we did a Leeds based version called Out of the Blue with John Hannah.
1: Yes. Only, yep.
0: only lasted six. Uh, Episodes never came back because the (laughs) NYPD blue style, the the New York style, that you know, you you now they now try and sell as Brooklyn beer as if Brooklyn is the best place in the world and and you should be proud of the place you come from. But if you actually take that advert to its nth degree, well, Barnsley beer should be as interesting to the people (laughs) of Barnsley. you know uh, you know pool beer should be as fabulous and the, we should be selling that to the world you know it's it's just this idea that somehow new york is more exciting and interesting and yet when it comes to filming nypd blue in leeds they may have had a point
1: <laughs> yeah there's no there's no glamour it's in that, the culture you know
0: where the camera's are tracking up and down and back and forth on the buildings and 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 you sort of see a street full of, of ford escorts and cortinas <laughs> <laughs>
1: Whereas you'd have huge yellow cabs and steam rising for the floor. Yeah, you know. And
0: again, I'm sure to the people in New York, that just looks like a mundane street scene. But to the rest of the world, that looks exotic and exciting and interesting. Yeah. Uh, one last one I wanted to bring in before we finish our hour, because we are actually getting to that point. Well, uh, in terms of cheese, and actually, it comes back to the A Team as well. There's a scene in the opening titles for some of the later A Team episodes where Dirk Benedict sees a Cylon.
1: Yes. Yes,
0: and yes. and so I wanted to talk to you briefly about Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> when we're talking about Blake 7 and we're talking about uh, the A-Team, we can mash this all together and come up with Battlestar Galactica, which was a huge phenomenon for oh. a year, but failed yeah. dismally and went away and never came back. But <laughs> people that love
1: series. it. I love that series. It mm. was, it was, There was something easy about it. And mm. because it was the Star Wars It was Star Wars on TV. It That's was what John it was. Dixter
0: effects, wasn't it? They was, yeah. were really solid, solid effects. It was I probably sold on the effects that they could do them on a television budget. Uh, sometimes the scripts were a little bit dodgy, but you got Patrick McNee. Patrick McNee oh, was yes. in there. Freeing from the Cylon tyranny or whatever it was. <laughs>
1: Dressed They're in white, was, wasn't he? Sorry. In white forever. was
0: it? There are those that believe that life down here began out there among the you all. Know, I mean, brilliant. I mean, it's yeah. so iconic, Battlestar it Why it didn't last forever is anybody's guess, but um, probably because it was crap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, that's not fair. That's not fair. But no, it is. Yeah, as you say, it's that. It's that moment in the opening titles. I think that's from their their pilot of the A team. Mm-hmm. Because he just, it walks past and it makes a noise and he just turns, doesn't he? Yeah, and does the double take. Yeah. The, the double take and you're thinking, yeah, this is just great. We know you're from that
0: show. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, Battlestar Galactica was just funny.
0: I I often wondered whether the Fall Guy ever did any slow-mo fights. Did, you know, did, did they do that in the Fall Guy? Did he ever go... As he got knocked out every week. Anyway, strangely no. enough,
1: he, he he No, no. He um, in the. I think it's the first or second episode. He appears with far Fawcett force at major, ah. and they'd just gone through a divorce. Ah, and um, so
0: actually, when you see him living in his in his trailer, <laughs> his, in, it's actually it's just, just real life for Lee Major.
1: The at the end of the opening titles of him sat in his bathtub with his rubber right. duck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As opposed to how he used to sit in his bathtub. Yes, you're probably yeah.
1: right. Yes, anyway. <laughs> anyway,
0: sorry. Yes, Battlestar Galactica. Yes, there. Battlestar
1: Galactica. Uh, there. Whoa,
0: whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bought. It's funny. I bought the um, the box set of Battlestar Galactica. It must be five years ago now, and I think I've I've never got past disc one or two. I, I, it's it's really hard to watch it now because yeah. it's some of the because of some of the family value stuff. And yeah, I love the remake. The remake phenomenal phenomenal piece of television you could devour the 70 80 odd episodes of that you know even oh, wow. a month if you want to they, they mm-hmm. it's a compelling remake and it's a very good remake of a show that whilst much loved didn't necessarily have the greatest reputation uh,
1: yeah
0: and i don't know i i think the original i mean apart from it, it it does do that thing which a lot of those sorts of shows make a mistake with is one they seem to think that putting models in spacesuits will automatically make people watch it but also the idea that the kids will only relate to a kid yeah, and that is a problem that a lot of well certainly a lot of uh, sci-fi shows seem to suffer with in that era is that to go for the youth market you had to have a, a brilliant young engineer oh, it's, it's or it's next whatever.
1: generation syndrome isn't mm. it mm. ah the wesley, wesley Crushers. Crusher. yeah
0: mm. and i'm not sure that necessarily works uh, i don't know why it but it just we it's funny we've talked about doctor who we talked about we like joe grant because she was that little bit older the, Yeah. joe doctor who never did that thing of having actual children traveling with the doctor or I mean, I suppose you could argue that Jamie and Zoe were possibly do- meant to well, be that young.
1: Supposedly Dodo, but I'm not sure no. how old Dodo was supposed. to
0: No, be. no. but there's yeah. not. Yeah, you know, they never put twelve-year-olds in. They never no. sort of got the no. the Flaxton boys in as the as the assistants or Goodness whatever.
1: You know? Me, yeah, Flaxton mm. boys, yeah.
0: You know, it. So I think it's interesting though that, that overall the idea with Battlestar is. The effects and the budget and the sets are magnificent, but sometimes yeah. the storytelling is a little bit predictable, a little bit samey, a little bit... A bit it follows the beats, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: formulaic again. It's the ITC trap, isn't it?
0: Mm. But as we come to the end of our hour, I'm going to see the other, one of the other things that uh, came on my <laughs> cheap purchasing second-hand <laughs> oh, God, bargain I'm bin. I'm this. dreading.
1: i really dread. You're going to pull the last one out. No,
0: of no. <laughs> it was Galactica 1980. Oh, I don't know that one. Galactica nineteen eighty was when they realized that they'd spent all this money on Battlestar Galactica and I got (laughs) reset. They decided to have Galactica reach the Earth. And right. for half a season half a season of not necessarily very brilliant episodes, <laughs> they staggered along with an almost completely different cast apart from Lorne Green. Lorne Green managed oh. to survive but, but grew a beard. <laughs> or at least they stuck on a, an impressive They won't recognize he a bit, me. He became, a, he became a bit more Gandalf. Now I mean Lorne Green, you know, when you think yeah. about Bonanza, Bonanza oh, he was yeah. one of those patriarchal figures of television. You know, he mm-hmm. was a big television actor, you know, and very much respected. And I think he holds his own very well, as it were, in, um, <laughs> in Battlestar. But uh, Galactica 8T, I think the, the wheels have well and truly come off the wagon. <laughs> Sticking your, Battles, your Battlestar Galactica people in contemporary California.
1: Oh, Lord, no.
0: But basically, I think there's about 13 episodes of this. Uh, when I finally get around to actually plunking the discs in, assuming they play and they're not scratched buggery because someone used it as a small skating rink and that's why they gave it to the charity shop, which is always <laughs> really, isn't? It,
1: patient, man, a risky, it takes your chance.
0: <laughs> it's a risk you run, but when it's a couple of quid, you think, oh, I can risk that you know but uh, I, I, when you actually sort of see them doing that you think oh maybe not maybe it's not quite as great as that but it's it, i think it's a fasc- just a fascinating idea to say right okay we're gonna we're gonna put our space science which show in, in <laughs> california it. and make it look just like
1: chips or just <laughs> like stars <laughs> <laughs> because it'll oh, be cheaper God, it's Although, search your spark all over again well, they,
0: one of the reasons why it's um, it's worth exploring, I think, is because they do do a, a reasonably well-respected episode, which is the return of Starbuck right at the end, which is yeah. they bring back Dirk Benedict to sort of hey. close that storyline. So, so and that does lift. So a couple of the episodes on, on the set are actually worth it, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise well that's two quid i'll never get back i won't be able to park for Dirt, half an hour Dirk Benedict
1: turn up in a black van with a red stripe down it with somebody going mm. pity the fool inside <laughs> Very probably so what of, of all the
0: cheese we've talked about today with all the gorgonzola we've we've oh, nibbled on yes what would you say is your favorite
1: has to be jason king sorry Jason has King. to be Jason King. There is just a whack. Are you going to pursue your of...
0: Jason King viewing experience, or have you had enough of it after five of them?
1: Um, no, I can't binge it. Oh, I can't no. binge it. It's right. oh dear, it's like heroin. I mean, no. you can't binge it, can you? It'll kill you. We well, you see. Um... I, we used to do this thing where we'd pick up
0: our next ITC set off the shelf. And yeah. we would just work our way through it over a couple of weeks, you know, but say you do two or three a
1: night. But Oh, yeah. yeah, I could do a couple. I can't do more than a couple. Mm. But it, it it sits on my shelf and it mm. rattles, like mm. to say, you've, you, you've got nothing to watch this evening. Hello, I'm mm. Jason King. Come <laughs> and watch this. Hello. No, and your hand is drawn towards it. And you're going, mm. no, no, as you're trying to drag your arm back
0: but that's the beauty of guilty pleasures that's why they are guilty pleasures i think you know they are the sort of television even i mean it's 50 years old that show and yet somehow still watchable even if it's a watchable way you sort of you you want to look around the room to make sure no one's watching you're watching it
1: Um, do you have the the curtains yes i have the curtains closed (laughs) in case someone sees through the window if somebody walks past and they go Hello, what's he watching? I'm like, oh no! I don't want to be shamed by the window cleaner. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a plastic bag. I've got a paper bag. I'll be able to slit on the front, so nobody really? can see my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you see, that is it, isn't
0: it? And ultimately, there's a lot of fabulous television out there. Even if it's terrible, fabulous television. Yeah. It's still watchable, and it's still television that people want to watch. And and that is the beauty of it, and that is the joy that. So for every show that somebody hates there's somebody out there who absolutely adores it and loves it and, and wants to see it I mean, will you watch Jason King twice? probably, you know, it's yeah. it's not the worst television show ever made one week we'll find out what that is thank you very much <laughs> for your time today Warren, it's been an absolute joy and we'll talk to you again sometime soon
1: my pleasure, absolute pleasure can I have some wine to go with this cheese please I'm over <laughs> cheese, I'm, o- I'm dairyed over
0: you certainly can. So thank you very much.
1: Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Thanks to Warren Cummings for joining me to natter about some TV cheese today, which I hope you didn't find too whiny. Of course, if you did feel there were any injustices there, or you've got any other candidates to propose, do let us know. That's all from Vision on Sound for this week, but I hope that you'll join us again next time for some more archive TV-related nonsense. Meanwhile, I just need to thank everyone at Radio International for keeping us fresh, and naturally my thanks go out to each and every one of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin, and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now. And take care.